Blessings and honor to all of those who are on the line with us tonight. This is LaCretia Thompson, and I'm here uh, with my family. And we're just going to begin uh, with a song of worship, and then we're going to get into prayer. Uh, we thank you for joining us tonight in the Threshing Floor Biblical Truths Bible Study. Uh, normally, we start at 7.30. Unfortunately, tonight I was running a little late in traffic. And so I do apologize to all of those who are waiting. Uh, God bless you. And let's begin. Uh, we're going to listen to a worship song before we begin. Give it to me. Let's go before the Father and worship. Oh, 
going to be before you long so we do want to begin with a word a prayer after that powerful song of worship sometimes it's just good to hear worship in other languages and other people who worship God in different cultures because it helps you to see the diversity of your creator of how much he's made the whole world for us to live in And in every language, there's a way to praise him, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I'm so thankful tonight because God has not given me over to the will of my enemies. He has not given me over to the will of my flesh. And he has not given me over to the will of anyone else's flesh. And so I thank and praise God tonight. For the King of kings and the Lord of lords, I thank and praise God for the blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, the blood of Jesus that was shed for us. I'm so grateful to God for his blood. I'm so thankful. My heart is overwhelmed with thankfulness to God of how he just strategically has made a way for each and every one of us to come to know him in in our own unique way. You know, if you're a parent, you're blessed. And if you're not a parent, you're blessed. But if you're a parent, you've come to understand that loving your children, you can have like four children, five children, two children, one child, you understand that it's a uniqueness in how you love that child. And truly, God loves us all by making a way for each and every one of us to be able to come to him no matter where we are in the world. He's made a way. And so let's just think about the way that God has made, that no matter where we are, no matter who we are, No matter what our hang-ups are, we all have to come through Jesus. No matter what our family dynamic was or wasn't, we all have to come through Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach. And when we all come through Christ, we begin life again. 
And so let's just appreciate the life again that God has given us. You know, in First Timothy, he tells us that in the last days that there will be trying times. He says, but we should know that we are okay because of that which the covenant of Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, has done for us. So as we bow our heads for prayer, we're going to think about how merciful the Lord is and how great he is to us because he has not given us over. You know, there's times when our bodies want to do its own thing. And there's times when we don't know what to do and we're being led by other people. And then there's times when people want to control us. But God, through the blood of Jesus Christ, he's not only given us victory over the enemy, but he's given us victory over the will of our own flesh. Paul says, I take my flesh and I beat it under, and I make it obey the word of God. And so through the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit, we're able to discipline our bodies. Maybe you're someone and you struggle with being overweight. The Holy Spirit can aid you through that process. He can aid you through addiction. He can aid you through whatever it is that you're dealing with. The Holy Spirit is our teacher, and he's here. And so as we were listening to that song, we come to realize that Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, has made a way for us to enter in. So with thankful hearts tonight, as we begin to pray, remember that you don't have to carry the weight. You don't have to carry the sin. You don't have to carry the guilt. Prayer is a time where you can lay it down at the feet of your Savior and relinquish control and ask the Holy Spirit to come into those areas of your life and give you the strength and the peace that you need to make it through. You're going to get angry in life. The Bible says be angry and sin not. You're going to get upset. Things are not going to always go the way that you want them. You're not always going to feel like running a marathon. You're not always going to feel loved. But one thing for certain that you can know that no matter how you feel, no matter what is going on externally or internally inside, maybe you're troubled in your heart and your mind. No matter what is going on, prayer is a place where no matter how young you are or no matter how old you are, you don't have to speak words that people tell you to say. You can speak to God directly from your heart. And as an example of that, we're going to have my daughter begin prayer and she's going to take her time and pray her heart because there's a lot of things that the kids are going through in this world today and so tabitha let's begin bible study with a word of prayer thank you jesus for making the time to pray and listen to the word together and teach and thank you for the pastor and teaching us all the things that we need to know to get through life and help all the kids that's going back to school that stay and make sure that color back your um 
protection. In the name of Jesus and by the blood, amen. Amen. And so, Father, we set ourselves in agreement with Tabitha as the concern on her heart is the kids going back to school. And although she may be a child, that's a really care. That's a real care, Father. And so we take this time to unite with her in faith that the children in our communities, in the state or the nation where we live, all of those who are listening on the prayer line, wherever they are, wherever there's children, Father, we set ourselves in agreement for the children's safety. We pray a hedge of protection over them, O oh God. We set ourselves in agreement with Tabitha for the protection of the children and the teachers and those who will be instructing them in this season, Lord God, of learning that is coming upon most of the world, Lord. Some have already begun to go back to school and many are not prepared and many have obstacles in the way and many families are struggling to balance it all, Lord Jesus. And so, Father, we lift up the family. We lift up heads of the families. We lift up the fathers. And we lift up the mothers. And if there's grandparents who are heading the home or single parents that are heading the home, we lift them up before you even now, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. And, Father, we pray for them even now. We pray, Lord God, that the fathers and the mothers and the caregivers would do what is necessary to guard the children that they would do what is necessary, Father God, to instruct them, to encourage them, to teach them, to discipline them, and to aid them in their development, Lord. Most of all, Father, help us to love one another. Help us to have a respect that supersedes the world view of respect. Help us to respect one another according to our unique abilities, oh, Father, the ways that we are different. Sometimes when people are different, they disrespect people who are different than them. They may mock them or make fun of them, and children receive the blunt of that. They receive uh, the anxiety and the yelling from the parents and the children, oh, God, receive the blunt of society's mishaps. And so we pray for this generation, Father. You said that if their mother and father will forsake them, that you would take them up. So we pray for every person who is without guidance, every young person who is without direction. Oh, Father, we ask, Lord of the harvest, that you would send forth labors into their life, that they would work diligently to instruct and to teach and to aid those who are without Lord God, and most of all, Father God, to show them the right way to go, Lord God. Oh, Holy Spirit, we ask even now, because the word of God promises us that the Holy Spirit will be poured out upon all flesh, we pray for the outpouring of you, Holy Spirit, upon children. Oh, Father, pour out your spirit upon the children. May solutions come from this generation, God. May strength come from this generation, oh, God. May wisdom be poured out upon them, oh, God, even though they're young, oh, God. Use them mightily for your glory. Let them rise up, oh, God, even in the face of terror, 
Oh, God, we pray for the children who are in Afghanistan. Oh, God, our hearts weep for them, God. Those that are under, oh, God, warfare right now, they've heard gunshots all day long. Oh, Father, have mercy. Have mercy, Lord Jesus. Have mercy, oh, God, have mercy. We lay the parents who who don't know how to protect their children and We haven't been in an area where we've had to walk around with guns to protect our homes. We pretty much have been an orderly country, but there are many who are stricken or stricken, Lord God, with such violence, Lord God, that fear would grab the heart of the children and the parents. And, And so, Father, we pray for the peace of God to be released upon the land. We take authority over the spirit of lawlessness operating over the continent and over Afghanistan. We take authority over every demonic stronghold and spiritual wickedness that has exalted itself at this time to bring tyranny to the hearts, Lord God, of many. We pray for the underground churches and those who are there to release the gospel. We ask that you would keep them and that you will protect them. And those that we have lost as martyrs, Father, we pray for their families. We ask that they will be provided for and strengthened, Lord God, during this time of loss of life of their loved ones. Father, we pray for the American soldiers' families whose sons died this past week in Afghanistan. Lord, we ask for your mercy to be upon them, and we pray for the comfort of your Holy Spirit to be upon them even now. God, give us the wisdom that is necessary to exist in a time of war, to to not just be drawn by fear, but, Father, to really triumph even in adversity, O God. We pray that you would strengthen our physical bodies and strengthen our mental minds, that we will be able to cope as adults, O God. We pray for coping mechanisms to be given to us as parents as we have to teach our children how to live in a time of war. We ask all these things by your Holy Spirit. For you said, if any of us lack wisdom, let us ask of God who giveth freely. And so we pray for wisdom to be poured out upon us as your leaders and wisdom to be poured out upon the heads of families. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you all. I'm going to take a seat now. We were up praising the Lord on that song. And so let's get ready for Bible study. God is so wonderful. And so... We were dealing in the book of Deuteronomy, and then the Holy Spirit directed us that we should teach on fear and that we should learn how to overcome the fear that the enemy is trying to place upon us in the world at this time. And so as we read the word of God tonight, if you find yourself in any of these areas, where you are uh, perplexed or dominated by fear, let the word of God minister to you and heal you so that you can go forward in life. Amen. And so let me get 
my paper out. Bear with me. I apologize. I was running late today. The time got away from me. A lot of times fear comes upon us because we don't know who we are in the word of God. And without the knowledge of who we are, the enemy has a field day with us. And so it's important that we utilize the grace that is given unto us. And so one of the things that is a combat to fear is the assurance of God's grace. And his grace has been given to all of us, but not all of us tap into it. Sometimes we don't tap into the grace of God because we feel unworthy. And so we are just waiting to be punished because we have such um, a distaste for forgiveness. Either we don't forgive ourselves or we don't forgive others. We're the type of people who keep records of wrongs. And so we miss out on the grace, the strength that comes from grace. And so if you would go with me and let's turn together, we're going to go to Second Peter, the third chapter. And I'm going to pull it up and amplify it. And if there would be a title for this Bible study, it would be the weapon of grace. And remember, we're studying on how to manage fear. Oh, yeah, I normally say that. I apologize. Um, Second Peter is in the New Testament for all of those who are learning uh, how to use the Bible because this is Bible study. It's it's in uh, the New Testament of the Bible, and we'll give you time to find it. And we want to take our time because we want everyone to find it. And it's, a, it's, it's not a real big book, okay? I believe Second uh, Peter only has three chapters. So we're going to go to Second Peter, the third chapter. And this is a letter from the apostle. Okay, you got it? Yes. All righty. I'm going to be reading from the Amplified Bible, and so if it's too hard to follow along, if you would just speak up, and then I will get the King James Version. And this is what it says. Beloved, I am now writing you the second letter, and both of them I have stirred up your sincere mind by way of remembrance. So this is to cause the believer to recall the faithfulness of God. 
that you should recall the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles, his special messengers. To begin with you, you must know and understand this, that scoffers, mockers will come in the last days. With scoffing, people who walk after their own fleshly desires and say, where is the promise of Jesus' coming? For since the forefathers fell asleep, all things have continued exactly as they did from the beginning of creation. For they unwillingly overlooked and forgot this fact that the heavens came into existence long ago by the word of God. And the earth also, which was formed out of water and by means of water, through which the world that then existed was deluged or delodged with water and perished. He's talking about the flood in Genesis, the first chapter. But by the same word, The present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly people. Nevertheless, do not let this one fact escape you, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years. And a thousand years as one day. The Lord does not delay and is not tardy or slow about what he promises, according to some people's conception of slowness. But he is long-suffering toward you, not desiring that any should perish, but that all should turn to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and the heavens will vanish with a thunderous crash, and the elements of the universe will be dissolved with fire, and the earth and the works that are upon it will be burnt up. Since all these things are thus in the process of being dissolved, What kind of person ought each of you to be in the meanwhile, in consecration and holy behavior, devoted, godly qualities, while you wait and earnestly long for the coming of the day of God, by reason which the flaming heavens will be dissolved, And the material elements of the universe will flare and melt with fire. But we look for new heavens and a new earth, according to what? His promise, in which righteousness, of righteousness, freedom from sin, and right standing with God will abide forever. So, beloved, Since you are expecting these things, be eager to be found by him without spot 
or blemish and at peace in sincere, here it is, confidence, free from what? Fear, agitation, patience, and moral conflicts. So this is where he's encouraging us to be free from fear and consider that the long-suffering of our Lord, his slowness in averaging wrongs and judging the world is salvation, that which is conducive to the soul's safety. Even as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the spiritual insight given to him. Speaking of this as he does in all of his letters, there are some things and those that are difficult to understand, which the ignorant and the unstable twist and misconstrue to their own utter destruction, just as the rest of the scriptures. So, verse 17, let me warn you, therefore, beloved, that knowing these things beforehand, you should be what? On your guard least you be carried away by the era of lawless and wicked persons. Verse 18. Here we go. But grow in grace and recognition and knowledge and understanding of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory and splendor, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. So, in this chapter, we learn that there are going to be terrible things that happen to this world that we live in. But he tells us that we are eternally secure in who? In Christ Jesus. How are we secure? We are secured by his grace. So every day, we should receive the grace of God. One of the scriptures that really, really blessed me, and I'm going to find it for you, because this is like so awesome when you really, really receive it. He says, he gives us new mercies. And I'm going to read it to you out of the NIV. And you got to grab a hold of this. There's a couple places that we can find it. But the one that I think I like the most is in Isaiah, which is the Old Testament. I'm going to go back to the Old Testament and chapter 43. So I'll give you time to find it, and I'm going to pull up a couple scriptures. Old Testament. And I'm going to read it out of the NIV. And I just think this is so awesome. 
Now, Isaiah is a prophet. Okay, we're going to have to keep moving along, so write down the scripture so you'll have it. Okay, Isaiah is in the Old Testament, and we're going to the 43rd chapter. And let's go to verse number 10. Listen to this. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, no God was formed, nor will there be one after me. Verse 11. I, even I, am the Lord. And apart from me, there is no Savior. I have revealed and saved and proclaimed, I am not some foreign God among you. You are my witness. So say, me, I am God's witness, declares the Lord, that I am God. Yes, and from ancient days, I am he. No one can deliver out of my hand. When I act, who can reserve it or who can stop it? Verse 14. This is what the Lord says. Your who? Redeemer. The Holy One of Israel. For your sake, I will send to Babylon and bring down all fugitives of all the Babylonians and the ships in which they took pride. Verse 15, I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's creator, your king. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and the horses and the army and reinforcements together, and they laid there never to rise again, extinguishing, snuffed out like a wick? Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. This is where we get into fear right here in our past. Verse 19. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. If you've ever gone on a bike trail or ever gone walking a trail or sometimes even going in the park, some parks are so full of trees and wilderness, it's easy to feel lost. But these are man-made paths that have been scoped out in the parks that we have today. So in order to really understand what he's saying, you have to almost like imagine yourself being dropped off in a foreign country in a park and, and, and nothing around you shows you which way to go. God is saying, even in that situation, I will direct you. How does he direct us when we don't know where to go? He directs us by speaking to us in our inner man. 
You may not hear an audible voice, but he will give you the assurance that he's with you, but you have to spend time doing what? Talk up. Good. So, Tabitha said praying. We have to spend time in prayer. And prayer helps us not just to talk to God about what we want to talk about, but prayer sometimes is a, is a place of listening, of just getting quiet before God and asking God as you wait. They're still meditating on the word of God, not just, you know, playing a game or doodling on paper or, or singing a happy song, but just being quiet before God and meditating on the word of God puts you in a position to hear from God. So it's important that we recognize that he has a great grace that he has given unto us. And in that grace, he has made some promises. And Isaiah, the 43rd chapter, is such a beautiful promise of the faithfulness of God, even in the time when Israel was unfaithful to him. He promised that he would bring them out of the place of captivity. Are you captive tonight? Are you, you know, a couple months ago, I can say myself that there were things that were trying to take me captive. Sometimes when you're a leader or you're a minister, people like to um, tell you their problems and look to you for everything. And if you're not careful as a leader or even as the head of your home, sometimes you'll take extra burdens on yourself and you'll begin to get weighed down by these extra burdens because you're trying to make a way you're trying to figure out how to fix it and you're you haven't yet relinquished it over to God and so even leaders have to be reminded that they have to give it to God your congregation your family your your job, your employers, your employees. You know, we have to give all of our cares to God. And this is another area of grace given to us. We have the grace to give it to God. Do you have grace to relinquish control and turn it over to God and wait for his answer? You know, this is really difficult, especially with people who are smart because they know how to get stuff done. Like, these are people who don't waste time. They know how to get stuff done. And the thought of them sitting down and waiting for something that they cannot see to tell them what to do is, like, far-fetched. And so even leaders have to learn to relinquish the control. We see this even in our local government. We see that leaders want to come up with laws, but there's a process that they have to go through. It's a judicial process that they have to go through. Some things have to go through being voted on, even though the leader has made a decision that this is what should happen. And so even like us, we're in the kingdom of God. And the voting that takes place is when we turn it over to the word of God and we see what the word of God has to say about it. 
Now, no matter what you think, whatever the word of God says, that's the vote in this kingdom. What God says goes. So even though you may have thoughts and you may find 10 believers to believe this way and five believers to believe this way, the truth of the matter is, is that we have to go with the word of God. We cannot come with our own interpretation. No means no in the word of God. And yes means yes in the word of God. It doesn't mean maybe. And it doesn't mean, well, if you got this circumstance, because if it meant that, it would say it. And a good example of that you can find in the book of the law, the first five books of the Bible. It, it gives you um, reasons for things, and it shows you what is excusable and what is not excusable. And so if you live by the law, you know, you're going to have to follow it line upon line, you know. The Bible tells us that those who live by the law will be judged by the law. Let's find that scripture. So living by the law is still not living by grace because grace is a law within itself. And so we we must understand, I believe that's in Romans, the 10th chapter. So let's go there. Romans 10. Romans is in the New Testament. And we're going to go to chapter 10, verse 5, 4. For Christ is the end of the law, to bring righteousness to everyone who, what, believes. For concerning the righteousness that is by the law, Moses writes, the man who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that is by faith, here it is, this is the grace the grace to live by faith, here it is, is another example. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven. We can't say it because we're living by what? But the righteousness that is by faith, do not say in your heart who will ascend into the heavens. That is to bring Christ down or who will descend into hell. That is to bring Christ up from the dead. Verse 7, or who would descend into hell? Verse 8, but what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. The word of what? Faith. We are proclaiming. What makes the word of faith powerful? Because it requires your belief. In order to Receive the grace of God. The Apostle James tells us, and let's go there. I think it's James, the third chapter. Before we go to James, the third chapter, let's go to Hebrews, the 11th chapter. And I think this is a more better uh, passage to help you understand what I'm saying.
And let's read this out of the King James. Uh, Maybe the NIV, but let's try the King James. Verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Verse 2. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Let's go down. Verse 6. But without faith it is impossible to please God, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So we're learning the weapon of what? Grace. How is this weapon powerful for us? It's powerful for us because we're not relying upon our own strength. We're not relying upon our own understanding, our own niche, no matter how brilliant we are, no matter how many companies we run, the things that we have achieved. We're learning to live by grace, which is our faith in God's word, and to relinquish control in prayer. And in, after we relinquish it in prayer, we're learning to do what? Wait. What are we waiting upon? We're waiting upon the Lord's answer. Then there's some things that you don't need uh, to hear an audible voice from God. For an example, somebody got on your nerves. And they've been doing it for years. They've been lying on you for like, let's say, 10 years. And they just won't stop. And you you keep trying to make it right. They just won't stop. So one day a thought comes into your mind. I'm just going to beat this person to death. Now, you know that that is a thought that doesn't come from God. But you say, that's it. I had enough. I'm going to take matters in my own hands. I've asked them to stop. I prayed about it. They're just not going to stop. And I'm just going to let them have it. And you see this among teenagers. You see this among the young, where they just get to a point where they just lose all ability to manage the weight of the taunting of their enemy. We've seen teens go into schools, pull out guns, and shoot up the whole class. We've seen people just go haywire and go into taking matters into their own hands. And this is because there's a lack of relief of their faith to give it to God. And then what are we supposed to do when we have a problem that's too great for us? Because our kids are dealing with problems that are really great. We don't want to just tell them to pray about it. So we have to have coping skills. And so this is a good good thing to learn. Now let's go to James, the third chapter. Because even though we're talking about living by faith and grace, James, the third chapter, tells us something. Because we have a responsibility. You know, living by faith and by grace, please stop that. 
does not relinquish our responsibility to to seek help. James, the third chapter. Here we go. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we have received a stricter judgment, for we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man or mature man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn the whole body. Look also at the ships, although they are so large and huge, are driven by fierce winds. They are turned by a very small rudder, wherever the palate desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among all members that it defiles the whole body. It sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. But every kind of beast and bird of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by man. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Father and God, and with it we curse each other, who have been made in the image of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessings and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be. Does a spring send out forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Thus, no. Spring yields both salt and fresh water. So here we go. Who is wise? Verse 13. And understanding among you, let him show by what? Good conduct that his works are done in meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your heart, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but it is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil are there. But the wisdom that is of God, that is from above, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good works, without partiality, without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is shown in peace by those who make peace. So we learn here that the tongue is something. It doesn't want it doesn't want to be contained. It wants its own way. That's a couple more that we need to read. Now listen to this. Let's go on. 
Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasures. Let's go down. Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealousy? But he gives more grace. Here we go. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, verse 7, James chapter 4, verse 7. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God. How are we drawing near? We're drawing near by meditating on the word. We're drawing near by prayer, as Tabitha said. And we draw near in fellowship. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Mourn, weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. And if you continue to read the the fourth chapter of James, It tells you how to handle evil thoughts that come into your mind, how to handle when when you want to speak evil of a believer or evil of someone. It tells you what to do. It tells you how not to boast, how not to be proud and puffed up, how not to let that imagination get away from you. And so we learn in James, the fourth chapter, verse 6, the grace is the attribute of God that enables us to break free from our sinful nature. All of us, even children, have a sinful nature because we're all born in sin. And so we have to learn about the love of God that he has given to us in John three sixteen. He loves us so much that he died for us. And after we learn that he died for us, We learn how to receive what? The grace of forgiveness. And so this grace has been given to you. And God wants to encourage you to live out the rest of this year, not in fear of the wars that are going on, not in fear of the war that's going on in your body or your relationships or the entanglement that the church has with the world but to really rely upon the grace of God, to really rely upon the time you have to meditate on God, that even when you're dealing with children who are really going through the thick of this war, they're really seeing a lot of devastation, and at alarming rates, it's affecting them in a negative way. And as parents, we have to be able to combat it But not just combat it, we have to be able to maintain our own spirituality in all of the adversity that's going on. And the only way we're going to be able to do that 
as as the apostle wrote, beloved, the only way we're going to be able to do that is if we take time to pray and to meditate on the word of God and to really obey what he has given. Part of meditation is not just asking God what we want. And Acts, the third chapter, verse 19, it says, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that the times of refreshing may come from the Lord. If you are in a place where you need refreshing, repentance is the key to get the refreshing opened up in your life. So gather your family together. Bring them to a place of prayer and begin, we learned this last week, begin to repent, begin to cry out to God. Not not just even if you can't think of known sin in your life, if you begin to repent and cry out to God for the nation where you live, cry out to God for the community, the fatherless, uh, those that are sick and shut in, just begin to cry out to God. And that's a sure way to get this verse to come alive to you. As you turn to God and he begins to wipe out the sin that you're praying about, it doesn't even have to be your own sin, and it can be the sin in someone else's life. As you begin to intercede, he promises us in Acts, the third chapter, that he will come and refresh us. There's times of refreshing coming to those who are given to prayer. You, you, you're not given to prayer in, in dismay. You're not given to prayer that won't be answered. He is so faithful. We read in Isaiah, the 43rd chapter, that he is a God that hears and answers prayer. He is going to answer you, but we can't give up. We have to utilize the grace that's given unto us. We all know John 3:16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We know and we see with our own eyes, John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus has come that we may have life and that we may have it more abundantly. We, we've seen it with our own eyes. We see it constantly. And so don't allow the enemy to get you out of the grace of God. Don't allow these trials, these things that we all are dealing with at some level. At some level, we are dealing with it. We're all dealing with the same issues. But don't allow these things to take you away from the presence of God. And Job, the 19th chapter. This is what Job wrote in his moment or spoke in his moment of despair. Chapter 19, Job is in the Old Testament. Let's read verse 25. He says, I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand on the earth and all my skin and after all my skin has been destroyed. Yet in my flesh will I see God. I myself, I will see him with my own eyes, and I not another. How my heart yearns within me. 
He's he's holding on to God even until the, the death. He's made up in his mind. Go back and read it. He says, I know that my Redeemer lives. Do you know that your Redeemer lives? Have you accepted it by faith and received the grace that God has given that you can boldly declare and say to yourself? He, he, he's saying this, Job is speaking to himself. He's encouraging himself in the Lord that even though sickness is, is rotting his skin away, he says, I know my Redeemer liveth and I know I'm going to see him. I know I'm going to see him. And we have to hold on to God just like that. We have to hold on to God with so much fervor, so much heart, so much faith, that no matter what is going on in this world, that we don't give up. In Colossians, the first chapter, and let's turn to it. Colossians is in the New Testament. Let's read in verse, I got a couple I want to read. So let's do 12 to 14 and then 20 to 22. Colossians, the first chapter. And giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us, listen to this, this is the grace that has been given to us. And you got to know this. No matter how dark it is where you live, no matter what's going on in your nation or your country, no matter what you're faced with, listen to this. Colossians, the first chapter. Now we're at verse 13. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So no matter what war Satan is raging against you, no matter what he is doing around you in your family, no matter what is going on, we have been delivered from what? The dominion of darkness. And sometimes you just have to say it. I have been delivered from the dominion of darkness. You don't have a right over me anymore, Satan. Sometimes you just got to say it. The Bible tells us in Psalms 107, those that know me know, that's my favorite verse. Psalms 107, verse 2, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So say it. I have been delivered and redeemed and rescued from the dominion of darkness. Amen? It's another passage in Colossians that I want to encourage you with. It's verse 20, and and 20 to 22. And I apologize that we're jumping around tonight, but I'm trying to get all these Bible verses in. Um, Colossians, the first chapter, let's drop down. We were just at verse 13 and 14. Let's drop down to verse 20. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven. By making peace through his what? Blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. You know, when you didn't know Christ, it's like, I did it my way. We wanted to do whatever we wanted to do. And that kept us 
from receiving the grace and the fullness that God has for us. But now that we have surrendered, now we are partakers of his divine nature through the blood of Yeshua, which was shed on the cross. Verse 22, but now he has reconciled us by Christ's physical body through death to present, you holy in his sight, without blemish. I don't care what's wrong with you tonight. I don't care how messed up your body is. I don't care if you're crawling tonight. I don't care if you can't walk. If you, I mean, I had a, I had a doozy last year. I couldn't even get up off the ground. I had to be medevaced to the hospital. And I kept holding on to my faith. I kept holding on to that I was redeemed from the curse of the law of sin and death that my physical body did not have to be taken away from me until I'm ready to give it up. And I held on to that word, and I prayed in the spirit and held on to that word, and I held on to that word. So no matter what you're going through in your physical body, no matter what it is, Christ has purchased your body through his own body. It doesn't belong not just to you anymore, but it doesn't belong to the enemy. I don't care if you were a prostitute, if you were a whore, you slept around. It doesn't matter. Once Christ comes in, all of that stuff no longer has dominion over you. Colossians is a powerful book in the Bible, especially for believers who need to know that they have been reconciled to God in their physical body. I don't care what the devil made you do with your body. I don't care how you were violated, what people did to you. Once you give your body over to Christ, no one has a right to your body. No one has a right to your mind or your soul because it has been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. And you hold fast to that. And you proclaim it no matter what thoughts come, no matter what attacks come against your body, you hold on to that as if it were your name. That's how you hold on to the grace of God. That's how you fight. You receive the grace of God as if if your name was uh, Elizabeth. You, you say, Elizabeth Grace. You make that grace of God part of your name. Just take it. If your name is um, Edward, Edward Grace, you take it as part of who you are. Oh, Edward, your last name is I have the grace of God. The grace of God has completed me. You know, when you get married, you take your spouse's name, and you change your name over to your spouse, and you become one with that person. And so even in Christ, as you have become one in Christ, you take the grace of God that has been purchased for you as God explains it to us through Colossians. We have been given what? Dominion over darkness. We have been reconciled to Christ when we read down. But now we have been reconciled to Christ. Your sin is no longer seen. No matter what death is present in your body, before God, you are 
without blemish. You are holy before him. And you are set apart for his usage. And ask the Holy Spirit, even as we're coming to a close tonight, to fill those areas of blemish in your life, to fill those areas of void. Let's go to Luke, the 21st chapter, and we're going to begin to close. Tonight we're speaking about the weapon of grace. Grace is a weapon given to you by God. He's giving you grace, grace to live through anything. I tell you, the grace of God, you can live through anything, even war. And we've been in war. Let's go to Luke, the 21st chapter. There will be, Luke is in the New Testament. My daughter keeps reminding me I need to say it for those who are learning the Bible and not forgive me. So we're still in the New Testament. Let's go to Luke, the 21st chapter, and listen to this. There will be signs in the sun, moon and stars, on the earth. I'm at verse 25. Nations will be in anguish and perplexity. We see that right now today. At the roaring and tossing of the sea, Henry's coming. You see the you see the storms. They even name him now. They got his name is Henry. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. We have been redeemed, saints, and the grace of God is going to carry us until Yeshua returns. And he's coming back for his people. If you or a man or woman or a child of God, and you have confessed your sins, hold on to that. Hold on to the grace that has been given unto you through the salvation in Jesus Christ's name. Hold on to the fact that God loves us with an everlasting love. In Deuteronomy, the 26th chapter, he promised the children of Israel, he said, never will I leave you nor forsake you. I'll be with you forever. And so let's come to a close and let's end in prayer. And I pray that this has encouraged you to step out of fear and come back into your faith because even leaders will try to figure out what to do. But our job is to put all of our trust, all of our confidence, all of our abilities into God's hands and to rely upon him to carry us through until what? Yeshua returns. So lift up your heads. There's a last Bible verse that I'm going to read, and it's going to be in Psalms. And Psalms is in the Old Testament.
And here we go. Let's go to Psalms, the 24th chapter. And let's just end with this meditation. And I'm going to read out of the King James Version. As we read Luke, let's read this last. Because he told us to lift up our heads, our redemption draw nigh. So listen to this. Psalms 24, verse 7. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors. And the king of glory shall come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Even lift them up, ye everlasting doors. And the king of glory shall come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. So you may be going through. The Lord of hosts is waiting for you to look to him. The Lord of hosts is waiting for you to put your trust back in him, to relinquish the control and put all of your confidence in him because only he is the one that's going to take us in to eternity whereby we don't receive the punishment because he's already received it for us. Amen. So let's come and let's gather together in a word of prayer. Thank you for joining us tonight. And we pray that this Bible study has been a blessing to you. We pray that it has encouraged you and that you uh, have learned something tonight about what God has done for you in Jesus Christ. Father God, we thank you for those who are on the line and how you blessed us with your word tonight. We thank you for strengthening us and encouraging us to listen to your word and to grow in the knowledge of who we are in you. We pray for every person that has ears to hear this lesson. We pray that it falls upon good ground and that it encourages them to utilize the grace given to them in Christ Jesus as an ultimate weapon of warfare, living by grace. And there will be no retaliation over these prayers, and we seal your word with the covenant of your blood. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. God bless you all. Thank you for joining us on the Threshing Floor Biblical Truths. Have a good night. Bye-bye.